listening to the Taming Hinges podcast. Conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast. Real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. Welcome to another episode of the Taming Hindrances podcast. As always, my name is Phil. I'm the host and creator of the podcast. And today's episode is intention. And intention is multifaceted, I suppose, is the easiest way for me to put this up front. Intention is something that oftentimes, when we're looking at mental health and self-awareness, gets overlooked because intention again is multifaceted and there's many ways to use intention. So we'll go to Merriam Webster's dictionary as I often do. And we'll start with some definitions. The essential meaning of intention from Merriam Webster's dictionary is the thing that you plan to do or achieve an aim or a purpose. You know, that's nice, but let's move on to the full definitions here. Cause I think this is where we can get into the complexity of intention and how it can be used specifically when we're talking about our mental health, but even more importantly, when we go into self-awareness, because in the self-awareness aspect of intention is where we can find the ability to use tools to better understand ourselves. So let's get into this a little bit. The full intention, the full definition of intention from Merriam-Webster's dictionary is what one intends to do or bring about, the object for which a prayer, mass, or pious act is offered. Okay, that's it's interesting. That gives us some dichotomy there. That gives us a little bit of a dipole. So it's either, you know, something that can be used as an individual or used as a group setting or individual in um, more than just one's own thought process. It can be used in a prayer, maybe in the spirituality side of things. Moving on, a determination to act in a certain way, which is known as resolve. That that would be a, you know, is also kind of the definition for resolve to one have resolve, to have intentions to be resolved in the way of their actions, but in a specific way. Uh, the plural of intentions is the, you know, purpose with respects, you know, those types of things. It goes on here, import, significance, uh, Oddly enough, intention also has to do with healing. So it's a process or manner of healing of incised wounds. Incised is, um, so like if you take a scalpel and you were to cut tissue, that would be an incision or incised. So, you know, it's a process or manner for healing those intention. And, you know, it goes on further, but that gives you an idea of the breadth of intention. Intention is not, I wouldn't say just specifically human, but as humans, intention is multifaceted and it's, it's incorporated into a lot of things that we don't often, we don't often look at, or we don't often maybe understand. And, and I've said before, you know, there's ignorance, which is fine to be ignorant or to be ignorant. That's fine. There's no, that's not, that's not harmful. It's willful ignorance. That's harmful. If you're ignorant of something or you're ignorant of it, but you have no idea about it, that's not your fault until you've been let known hey, there is this thing you should know about, and then you choose to continue to be ignorant. That's known as willful ignorance. And willful ignorance, in my personal opinion, is part of the root of all evil. It's those who choose to put their head in the sand 
are doing harm to themselves and most likely others by not informing themselves. You're, it's, it's on you. It's not on me. I'm just some idiot on the internet. I'm just here to tell you stuff that I know or things that have, I've come across or maybe give you a different perspective or opinion or visual representation or a different way of looking at something. Change the camera view. You know, maybe slap you upside the head. Who knows? Um, so as we talk about intentions, the first question we have to get out of the way and probably the most important that I will forget to even bring up at the end of this episode is, are you in control of your intentions? I'll say it again, because repetition is the mother of all skill, failure is its father. Are you in control of your intentions? Do you even know what your intentions are? Do you just go about your day whimsically? Do you have, you know, are you someone who makes a list? Is that how you, you know, that's an intention. If, if you wake up in the morning and you know it's your day off or, you know, you know you have shit to do and you make a list, your intention is to get through that list. And that's the expression of that intention. That's your action that you're taking to make sure that intention gets done or that intention is expressed. I'm making a list. And I'll save it yet to get into this, but this is where we cross into that multifaceted idea of how intentions work. You know, we're going to get into the law of attraction. We're going to get into magic. We're going to get all that in this episode. But to start, are you in control of your intentions? Or... Do others' intentions overtake yours? And if they do, how do you balance them? I'm specifically talking in the realm of families. You know, even if, you know, if you're a parent and you have children, you have intentions, right? You, you know, I'm not a parent, so I'm speaking from the outside looking in on this one. But when you look at the family dynamic, the intention of the parents, typically, and it wasn't in my case, essentially, but... Typically, they want good for their kids. They want their kids to, you know, be respectful. They want their kids to be knowledgeable. They want them to have opportunity. They have all these intentions for their children. And that's great. They should. That's what, you know, parents do. That's part of the whole parental thing. So if that's the intention of the parent, it also has to have a balance with the intention from the child, right? Because the, the kids just want to have fun or, you know, they want to be rebellious or all of these different interactions. So that's, that's part of the question there of do others intentions overtake you or take over your intentions and how do you balance them? Cause that's, that's a really important conversation to have because we can't just be our intentions. Sure. I'd love to be a millionaire. You know, I'd love this, that, and the other thing. And that goes back to needs and wants and you only get what you need, not exactly what you want. But if your intention is to be wealthy, that has to be balanced with all of the outside influences there, because that's how the game of intentions works. It's if I intend to be wealthy, but someone else intends me to be their, their wage slave, my intentions are never going to come to fruition. My, my intentions are going to completely be, you know, locked down and stopped due to their intentions. They don't want me to succeed. They don't want me to, you know, go off and, do my own thing. They want me to keep going to work for them to make them rich. That's what a, a wage slave is to someone. That's what we talk about when we, you know, we go back in time, we talk about antiquity um, specifically, if we want to look at monarchs or monarchy is the idea that there will be, you know, peasants and serfs and all of these individuals that build up the pyramid to make the person at the top, the person at the top. 
That's an intention-based system. The intention-based system is propagated by the idea, usually, of lineage. Um, I would argue that that's where the Roman Empire went badly. I mean, it went quite badly in, in many cases, but part of the Roman Empire's downfall was Caesar deciding, I'm going to appoint my son as the next lineage bearer of the Roman Empire. That had never been done before in Roman history. Roman empires earned the right to rule, were never appointed. Caesar goes, I'm going to have my son take over. He tends to be a reclusive, womanizing asshole, but who cares? I'm going to let that happen. And he just is a shitty ruler and Rome falls apart. I'm simplifying things, but that's partly what I do to kind of be less long-winded. So in that setup, okay, we were talking about intentions. Caesar intends... His intentions is to keep the ruling party of Rome in his family lineage, to continue to have some modicum of control over it, but also to shape it even though he knows he's probably going to die very soon, actually. He knows he's most likely going to be murdered. And his son's intentions at that point is to have nothing to do with this, to not really, to just not have a part of ruling the Roman Empire, just to do whatever he wants to do as some, you know, emperor's son to go to the brothels and drink and do whatever he wants as a clash of intentions. That's again, only one faceted piece. So going back to the original question, are you in control of your intentions? Are you, what are they? How do you represent them? Are you the wake up in the morning and make a list person? Are you the, Repet repetition person, as I say, repetition is the mother of all skill. Failure is his father. So, are you the just if I you know repeat, repeat, repeat? Are you the long term prospect? Are you the five year, ten year plan kind of intention person? What are your intentions there? And then, in that conversation, there's the next question of: Do others' intentions overtake yours? You know, Caesar's son just wanted to like I said, go to brothels and drink and not really do anything from the accounts that we have. I mean, I'm sure maybe it wasn't that extreme, but really didn't want much to do with this. Didn't want to rule. His intention was not to rule. His father's intention was for him to rule, but he wasn't groomed for it. He wasn't, you know, there was no representation there of those things. Unlike, you know, if we look back on other historical records of, and I'm not a fan of monarchies, but quite a few monarchies are built on the idea of, you're going to groom someone for ruling. And then that individual's intentions are, yes, to rule, but to do it their way or this, that, and the other thing. It, you know, pick, a, pick any monarchy in the history of humanity. There'll be some interplay of these intentions and the games that can be played in there. So do others' intentions overtake yours and how do you balance them? Because when they become unbalanced, as I've said many times, the universe is going to find balance. That's what the universe does. It propagates this recovery system and this discovery system of finding pressure motivations or, or using pressure motivation to find imbalances and then bringing them back into balance. But it mostly it does that asymmetrically. You know, it's not the teeter-totter system, but the teeter-totter system might be 50,000 tulips and a monkey who knows like th that's the asymmetry there is it's never symmetrical but there is balance there will be balance 
So repetition is the mother of all skill. I'm going to say this many times. I'm going to continue to bring up these questions. Are you in control of your intentions and do others intentions to overtake yours? But how do you bring the balance back to that? Because, you know, if we go back to the family dynamic, I've said many times in this podcast that I grew up in a shitty family dynamic. A lot of us didn't get along. There was a lot of lies and secrets and, you know, there was also just, just bad shit. Just, just a broken home, top to bottom, broken homes before our home even was established. There, you know, it was past broken homes that other individuals were coming from and it just, it's just a mess of stuff. But the intentions didn't line up to fix that. There was no intention to make the broken homes less broken. There was intentions for the individuals and the balance thereof in the end for me was to walk away, just to walk away from all of these other intentions that had nothing to do with why my well-being or, or my mental health, they didn't line up. And in the end, I might've gone a little too far and there might have to been some balance. I'm sure I've hurt some people by leaving and I, I don't think I care at this point, but I have to admit that, yes, I probably hurt some feelings and, you know, made people upset that I just walked away and won't ever really talk to them ever again. But the intentions didn't balance out. Specifically, the intentions of the individuals were constantly in a bad interplay with each other. I don't mean to get too specific, but I guess I kind of need to. So, my father's intentions were to make money and to live the life he wanted to live. He wanted to live you know, this farmer military life thing and he wanted to make money and be wealthy. So that took over his planning. That That's the direction he wanted to take the families for him to be wealthy. And it, it, he was, in my eyes, a selfish individual in that sense. I'm sure there was some medical things going on mentally there. They didn't diagnose those things back then. I'm not saying everyone's that way. Just looking at his background and where he grew up in and how his repressed home that he came from and the intentions there, the trajectories were always just, this dude wanted something for himself finally. And that's the intention he went for. That didn't interplay with my mother very well. And then in the separation there, because my dad teetered on my mom, even though no one ever told me that, so you can see how like the lies started their own intentions. And that's where I'm going with this is this, this inner play of intentions created this web of secrecy and lies. And once all of that starts to interplay, unless the intentions of the group start to move towards healing and support and a better option, it's just going to get worse. And it did. And to some small degree towards the end, before I left, each subset of the two groups, so I, um, I had a brother go off with my dad and chose his side, and then my dad got remarried, and he had you know that side, and then my mom got remarried, and my other my sister and my other brother were kind of on that side. And then the, you know that became its, its tribe. The tribe split, essentially. And they were trying to heal themselves, each, each of those tribes. But at the same time, before that happened, the intentions were, and I'm being pretty brutal here about this because I'm sure there was a lot more involved, but the intentions were 
my dad wouldn't want to play. He didn't want to play child support. So if I went to live with him, he didn't have to do that. And he thought my mother was a shitty person and thought he could do a better job raising me. My mom was just trying to fucking get by and be a single mom with kids at home and to work, you know, three jobs to have enough income to get by living in a shitty farmhouse and dealing with a bunch of other bullshit. But her intention was for me to stay because, you know, that was probably beneficial to her financially as well. I'm not saying these were the only motives, but yeah, it had a lot to do with the intention was money based. So there was an interplay for my attention, my love, so to speak. Although that's a whole nother conversation about the intentions of love and my misunderstanding of it. So I don't really get into it very much. Maybe I'll make an episode out of it, but the intentions never lined up until I decided I was going to have what I considered the middle of the road. The options I was given was the dipole of mother or father. Those are my only options. They tried to make it work in between, but really both camps were mother or father. Pick it. Go with it. Eventually it became my choice. And that sovereignty of having my own choice, my own intentions was what allowed me to look at both sides and go, I don't want to fucking deal with any of this. I don't, I'm not happy on either side of this. I'm not even content. I'm just miserable. There wasn't even like a point where like, oh, all right, this is fine. This isn't that bad. It was just misery constantly. The universe was throwing in my face. Every time I got involved with these people, you were going to be unhappy. That's what's going to happen, Phil. If you get involved with these people every fucking time, something bad's going to happen. Even if it's just like slight just like a slight tweak here or there. Somebody makes an offhanded comment about, you know, one of my likes or dislikes and just kind of makes fun of me for no reason and just makes me feel shitty or like just even like little slights like that. I don't think people understand the intentions there. So let me get in that a little bit further because this is where the multifaceted nature of intentions start to creep up specifically in the family units, but also in our personal relationships, relationships where intentions are part of the measurement structure for respect, for caring, for dare I say love, or which I believe to be a measurement system. But the, the depth of relation has to do coarsely with intentions in my personal opinion. Let me explain a little bit. I think when you look at your friend group, the intentions there are a little bit easier to decipher. You know, if your friend comes to you with a multi-level marketing scheme, you might weigh the idea of, okay, their intentions are clearly not in the benefit of me being friends with them. Like I'm not going to get into some fucking stupid pyramid scheme. You clearly don't value the friendship here. So the intentions can easily be weighed like, Oh, your intentions are clearly for you and your own benefit. I don't want anything to do with that. That's easy to decipher. Or hazing and, and, you know, the razzing and, you know, making fun of or, you know, jokes at someone's expense. Those intentions can easily be weighed off because they can be like, ah, you know, you fuck with me. I fuck with you. You know, the bro, you know, your little, you know, nudge, nudge there, or making fun of somebody. But there might be comedy as an underlying intention. Like the intention of the comment was to make everybody laugh. It, it wasn't to take a hard jab or to take a sharp stab at somebody. And if it does come across that way, 
well, then you know their intentions. Maybe they are trying to like poke a little too hard or those types of things. In the family unit, I think those things get even more coerced. They get let go too often or they get applied too often because people think they can get away with it. That's why I think love is slightly a a measurement of some sorts. And I'll try to refrain from getting into it too much. But in the family dynamic that I was living in, the outside influences were already weighing on my mental health quite a bit. The internal dynamics of the family was even worse. You know, no matter what side I was on, I either had to repress who I was, be it due to a, uh, just a fucking, try not to get too hard on this, but just like a complete repression of like being a normal individual due to, you know, one side was like this heavily Christian family at home in the grandparent side of things, but their son was not Christian whatsoever. So it, it was just lies and just like you had to be a hard ass and, you know, you had to learn how to hunt and chop wood and, you know, work and work and work and just, you know, work was the only way farm life essentially, which I'm not saying all farm lives are that way, but, that was the the experience on that side. And then the other side was the things you were interested in are, in are stupid. The side that maybe I could have had an outlet in, my intentions could have been to like share myself and like get their opinion and, you know, have an interesting conversation was, dude, you like anime? You're fucking stupid. You're into martial arts. You're, why would you want to, you know, oh, you? and there was just like some racism and just like xenophobia and just like stupid shit. Just stupid shit, petty, stupid bullshit. And the way that came out was to make fun of me. Just their intention was comedy, but it doesn't come across that way. And this is where that multifaceted idea of intentions goes even deeper. I was constantly getting made fun of every family interaction or having to repress who I was because that wasn't okay. And I just didn't want to hear it anymore. At one point in time, my grandmother told me, don't read the Harry Potter books because that's sin. Like that, like that's how deep the Christian home was there was, and I'm not against Christianity. I'm not against anyone's faith or beliefs. I'm against organized religion and dogma. I've said that many times. This was organized religion and dogma that I was being presented with that I needed to leave the left behind series and not leave Harry Potter. And my mother was a horrible mother for giving me the Harry Potter books because that was, you know, sinful and that was the devil and just ridiculousness, just absolute ridiculousness, specifically in a child who was very much into believing magic was real and there was possibilities, not on like a cast sorcery level, but like magic's fucking magic, man. It's magic. So in that, dichotomy and that whole selection of how these interactions were happening, the intentions were always bad. This is where I, part of where I get my idea that I try to remove the connotation from things because until I really looked at that and looking back, I could have done a much better job on it, but you know, hindsight's 2020. So who really cares at this point? But I was young and I was, I was a teenager at, at, at the point where this all kind of coalesced. I didn't have the ability to do this. I didn't have the ability to just completely remove the connotation and try to figure out where these people were coming from. I understand more of that now, 
But at the time, it was just, it just felt bad. Just the intentions felt like these people want to do me harm. These people don't give a shit about me. Every time I talk about something I'm interested, I get made fun of. Every time I, you know, want to express who I am, I get repressed. And I think this is where the conversation on intentions, when it comes on the mental health side of things, it's important to look at. Are you in control of your intentions? Do others' intentions overtake yours? How do you balance them out? I think a lot of kids have a tough time, specifically in today's day and age with social media. And I know that gets, you know, it makes me sound like, oh, social media. Mur, mur, mur. No, it's real. Because I grew up right in the in-between. I grew up without the internet and cable. And then I slowly got introduced to it. And then it became, you know, more mainstream. And there was things like, you know, Zanga and, and then MySpace. And, you know, there was AIM and, and AOL and Messenger. And there was forums and, and chat rooms and, all of that was very new as I was growing up in my teenage years. So even maybe before I was a teenager, I can't remember when it all happened and I'm not going to get into the dates of it all, but that's a huge thing in childhood development. We don't think about, but also in the, the world of the, of the, the family unit or in the friends unit itself, the best way I can describe it. And you can make fun of me if you want, cause I don't really care anymore, but I've been to an anime convention and conventions are conventions. But when it's, when it's a convention that someone's actually interested in one, there is this weird feeling of collective acceptance. And although each individual at the convention may have different interests, they like this anime or that anime, or they're into, you know, just this one particular one and they really give a shit about the rest ones, or they're really into like the voice actors or a video game or those types of things. And I'm not saying it has to be just an anime. There's conventions for all sorts of shit, but that niche idea, that, that niche of interests and it being accepted really drives home the idea of intentions and whose intentions can now be classified as hurtful. And the internet does that. Social media does that at a grand scale that I don't think anyone will ever comprehend. That you took what used to be a small chance at finding exactly what you like and what, you know, maybe brings you happiness or joy because there wasn't a lot of that back before the internet existed. Like maybe you would catch a cartoon you were really into, or maybe somebody would, you know, show you a book series. You couldn't, you know, or you might be just the loner kid that never found the group to hang out with because they didn't exist, exist in your social structure that, you know, that click didn't exist in your school or so you had to like conjoin into others and maybe just get a small piece out of it. The internet opened that up to, you can really find what you're into. You can really find your niche. Social media threw the intention piece on that. Specifically the harmful side of intentions that you can look at maybe what somebody really meant. Are their intentions to do you harm? 
are their intentions to make you feel bad, to make you feel less, to make you feel stupid, to make you feel the outcast. That's what social media allows for at a grand scale. Again, we took everyone from having the ability to be the big fish in the small pond to everybody being the minnow in the ocean. That's the best analogy I've come up with for what social media and the internet has done to societal culture. It's no longer possible to just be the cool kid at school and, you know, be the big fish in the little pond. Even if it's just, you know, everybody got, you know, oh, this is the cool kid this year. That's the cool kid this year. And, or, or, oh, that's the cool kid when it comes to, or that's the interesting, you know, you didn't get to be that anymore. Doesn't exist. Now you're one of the hundreds of million nothing people. And there's the one or two or three or four cool kids. You're the little minnows in the big ocean. And some minnows are just slightly bigger than others. So the intention factor there is now you get to weigh everyone's attentions. The positive side to that is something I experienced where I really got to understand that my family didn't have my best interests in mind. Their intentions wasn't for me to succeed. As many times as I said, like, oh, you're the smart one. And, you know, I used to get shitty grades. Oh, I didn't pay attention to school. I didn't want to be there. I didn't do my homework. By I never applied myself, so I just pissed my teachers off constantly because I just didn't apply myself the way they thought I should, even though they assumed or called me intelligent. So it made them mad. Like They knew that I had mass amounts of potential, and I was just wasting it because if I went home with shitty grades, no one cared. No one cared. Their intentions were not for me to succeed. Their intentions were not for me to get a great job or to be wealthy or to be, you know, have a better life. And that was not their intentions. They didn't have time for that, to be honest, for them to worry about that. I didn't get to see that until I started to see the outside world, the idea of, oh, there are these people with these interests that I, I'm interested in and they're not making fun of me for it. There is this other interest that I never knew existed. I really want to get into, but like, oh wait, I'm too poor to do that. So like, I didn't have an intention to be better at that point. So this is where that multifaceted idea of intentions come into. And it's important to understand that you may have intentions, but you need to understand them. It's, it's two streets here, two ways. So you, we can flip the questions. So the questions we started out were for, with are, are you in control of your intentions? Do others' intentions overtake you or overtake yours, and how do you balance them? So let's flip it a little bit. Really good questions to get into when it comes to mental health, specifically when we're looking at our relationships and or our relationship with ourselves. because I'm going to get that to us. I'm going to get to that in here in a second, is what are other people's intentions? Are they controlling them? How do my, how do my intentions interact with them and how do I balance that? And you can even flip that and go internal with it. And this is where the self-awareness piece of intentions comes in. Is looking at your intentions towards yourself. Do they line up with your intentions for yourself? 
say that again. What are your intentions towards yourself and do they line up with your intentions for yourself? I used to want or intend to be wealthy and to, you know, get out of my town that I grew up with and to, you know, maybe even go be famous or just, you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Blah, blah, that crap. That didn't line up with the intentions I had for myself. Just like my intentions for myself didn't line up with my family's intentions for me or that whole group mentality and that idea of the family dynamic that I was in, the broken home situation. My intentions internally towards myself till very recently, and in some cases still to this day, don't line up with my intentions for myself. My intentions toward myself were, you're a piece of shit and you should kill yourself. That was my intention. My intention for the longest time was, you don't deserve to live, you don't want to live, and you should just find a, a find an interesting way to die. Find a, find, a, find a way to go out on your terms. That was the road. My road to suicide was, I wanted it to be, um, the only way my intentions lined up there were my intentions for myself was always be in control of my own life because I've had a, a deep-seated idea of that from, my, from the very beginning, even when I was a little child, that some intention was always, or some part of my mental faculties was always kind of pointed in the direction of, I wanted to be in control. Like, I wanted to be in control of my life. But how I felt about myself and the way I was treating myself, my intentions there were harm. So the way that lined up was my suicide was my suicidal nature. It was, it was a want for death and not just like a suicidal nature, but like a death wish, if you will. Like I accept death tomorrow. I'm still that way to this day. I still have this intention of like, if I die tomorrow, I die tomorrow. Like it's not like a live and let live and you know, whatever happens, happens, man. That's fine. You can think that way. No, mine's really like if the meteor starts blazing into the sky towards my house tomorrow, I'm gonna be like, ah, Finally, it's just going to be like a feeling of just like, ah, yay, finally. Like, I'm totally acceptive of that. I kind of want to be able to like control how it happens, but at least I'll get to control the final moments. I want to see it coming. Some people don't want to see it coming. I fucking want to see it coming because that's when I get my moment of, ah, finally, that's my Satori. That is my enlightenment is I want to see the death coming because that's what Satori is. That is what death is. It's, it's That's enlightenment. Anyway, I digress. My intentions towards myself have always been that method. So that's why I say you have to look at, specifically in the mental health, but also in the, in the self-awareness, we're, we're, we're keying over from the mental health into the self-awareness here of, or sorry, turning over into, what are your intentions for yourself and what are your intentions towards yourself? There's a couple of different ways you could put that, but do they line up? Just like I was talking about with my family, the intentions didn't line up. I left. I did something else. The definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. So if you're constantly in your own way when it comes to your intentions, specifically on the mental health side, you're not going to get anywhere. It's just going to be a revolving circle. I did that for a really long time. At the same time, though, my intentions were doing great things. I created a martial body. 
for my martial arts system. I am a 270 pound, about, I don't even know what, I don't know what my height is. It doesn't really matter. But I'm 270 pounds and most people would look at me and go, you're 270? That's my martial body. I build up tendons and structures. I also have resilience in, you know, all of these different things. But I also had a bunch of injuries I had to heal. I used to have terrible stomach issues. Um, most of that was caused by um, my car accident, which I, I broke my femur in a car accident. So, like, I had to heal that. I did all, I had all these intentions to, like, be healthier. But my intentions towards myself were still, hey, man, you should die. Like, that's still the answer here. And that's only compounded. Like, I'm still against some things revolving around the whole idea of death. And I, I still don't, I still don't act in my own best intentions. But the correlation of my intentions for myself have mostly come to fruition. I've gotten away from my family, become more content with life, learned a whole shitload about the human body and how to be healthier and uh, how to help others with the practice of massage therapy and could even help others further with all my knowledge about medicine and traditional Chinese medicine and the how the universe works with metaphysics and magnetism. And I know the building blocks. I won't say science because that's a, that's a dangerous science is a method. Sorry. Soapbox not to stand on right now. I know the building blocks and the, the factual or educational or reference wisdom pieces, knowledge pieces of the mind and the body, specifically, definitely of the body. I have a way more grounded experience in the body. And I've, I've made headway into the mind. That's never equated to me being spiritually better. My spiritual body, my spiritual side, that was destroyed in my childhood and I've never fixed it. And so that's probably what my next intention will be. And maybe part of that is this cathartic method of this podcast and the 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 telling of these stories and the, my opinions and ideas on mental health and self-awareness. So the intentions have led me to great things. My intentions for myself, I'm not wealthy in that sense. I wouldn't be wealthy on anyone's scale for the most part, but I'm mostly financially secure at least. And, you know, I have my own home, a safe place to live for the most part. And I'm not living in my car anymore. That's great. So, I have all these measurable pieces of the, the intentions did drive forward momentum and progress that have definitely gotten better, but the internal intentions are what held me back the most and still do. And I've always argued that my intentions toward myself were to keep myself humble or to protect others or these types of things. And that might not be true. And it's something I have to deeply look at. And this is to say that, Yes, I might talk about self-awareness and mental health. I'm not an expert. I might know more than someone else. But I'm also at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to let people know I'm not in the same boat because our depressions are our depressions. They are uniquely who we are. I can't understand yours. You can't understand mine. But like the journeys can be similar. And no, no one has it always, like no one has it completely figured out. No one. Not one fucking person. Because as soon as they do, they're the richest person in the world because they'll have a cure-all pill. They'll have the fucking 
bottle of goo to drink or the, you know, they'll have the potion because they figured it out. That's the most wealthy person in the world. The person that figures it out and then also chooses to share it because I don't think they're going to, nor do I think they have if they did. I think there was still intention to let other people figure it out. That's why I say intentions mostly faceted. So again, back to the questions, just to come back on track here. Are you in control of your intentions? Break that down a little farther. What are your intentions for yourself? And what are your intentions towards yourself? Do they line up? If not, it's a great place to start on the mental health side of things to try to figure things out a little bit better. On the self-awareness, if we flip over here, do others' intentions overtake you or yours, your intentions, and how do you balance them? Let's go to the balance part of intentions here. That's more of the self-awareness side of things. Goes back to the first question when we look about, are you in control of your intentions and what are your intentions towards yourself and what are your intentions for yourself? The balance is how are you expressing your intentions? I talked a little bit in uh, the Vox episode about Marshall experience of intention, which we call prescience or presence and, you know, how there is this methodology of using one's energy or bioelectric field, whatever you want to call it. I don't have proper naming for it anymore because it's so we haven't, to be honest, we haven't agreed on a vocabulary so everybody could talk about this stuff. It's part of the problem. Part of the problem is we don't have an educated basis of proper terminology to use so that we can all have a common reference for conversation. So we have to dance around the words we, words we use like woo woo or spirituality or God or religion. Like we have to dance around all these things so we don't like hurt anybody's fucking feelings. The reality here is wake up everybody. We don't have a good vocabulary set to talk about it. And if you don't have a vocabulary set, not everybody gets to join the conversation because some people get weirded out or other people don't know how to talk about it. So they don't just how things are part of interest, part of niche groups, that whole thing I was talking about. So right now we don't have a great vocabulary for it. So I'm going to still have to dance around things, but as far as intentions in the martial systems, intention is what drives energy. Intentions, what drives outcome. Intentions are what begets the situation, what, what, what gets us there. So when we talk about chi or ki or prana or any of these energy systems, you know, shadow striking or, well, that's actually a kind of a systematic idea. But when we talk about internal martial arts, when we talk about qigong, tai chi, we talk about Reiki and when we talk about the healing arts, you know, if we have, you know, the energy healing arts like Reiki or some of the Ayurvedic methods, or even when we talk about yoga, intentions are what beget the outcome. So in, I'll use chi as an example. Chi is the, in Chinese martial arts, in the Chinese methodologies, traditional Chinese medicine, chi is vital force, not life force, vital force. Um, your chi can be blocked. If it's not completely blocked, you'll be fine. But it's part of Shen, which is spirit and Chi has flow. 
and traditional Chinese medicine uses the five element system to explain all of this. I'm not going to get into it in detail here because it would just take too long. But when we look at qi and how qi works, one of the things to unlearn, and this is probably me giving away like black belt level secrets here, but I don't really care anymore. Intention controls qi. That is the interaction from the mind and body, the translation point. Qi is spiritual. It is the other body. When, you know, I talked about, um, what was that? Episodes 21, 22, and 20, nope, 22, 23, and 24. When I talked about self, body, and mind. Self is the physical form. So you have the physical health body, which is what you're in control of. If you want to look at true divinity, true divine idea, the idea behind you being a God, you are a God. You're in control of an entire organism that has to do all of your becks and whims. I'm going to wait a second to wax poetically about that because maybe that's how I'll finish off because I'm not heated about it, but it's a little bit of a soapbox. So you have the, the physical health body. Then you have the mind, the mental health body. And that's the translation point between you and the spiritual or the other health body. Chi is part of the spiritual health body. But the translation happens that it can happen physically. It's the overlap. Chi, can, chi, chi is an overlap. That's why they call it vital force because it's what flows between all three of the health bodies. The mind is, again, that translation point. It's what's telling chi to do. How it does that is through intention. So a qigong practitioner, which is an internal practice to cultivate and use chi, is a practicer of someone of intention to learn and control and understand their intention. The easiest way to practice this is through meditation. Meditation is awareness of breath, period, end conversation. All meditation is awareness of breath. Everything after that comment, everything after that period is an addition to. If you want to learn how to meditate, simply learn how to control your breathing. Just be aware of it. Just awareness of breath. That is the, tr that's the switch over between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. I'll get into that at another time, but the intention of taking control of your breathing is the whole thing. That's awareness. Awareness is intention, attention of intention. That's awareness. If I had to like break it down into its most complicated and uncomplicated statement as possible, awareness, so self-awareness is attention of intention. And here's why. Chi flows between Shen, spirit, mind, and body. So I can have gong fu. I can have my martial way or, or my method. And I can have a gong fu body, which is something I've built over my entire lifetime, ever since I started practicing, even before practicing martial arts. It's, it's, it's a culmination of your entire life. So I have a gong fu, I have a gong fu body. I have a martialist mind. My Shen is what I don't necessarily have. I don't have an understanding of my spiritual life because I was sheltered from it. And well, I've rebelled from it. It's complicated, but I think a lot of people have this problem. That interplay of Chi changes things in that sense. I can use Chi. I can't, I can't project it. I can't 
but I can produce it and I can filter and I can use it. I know Qigong. I've practiced it, Tai Chi, all of it. So my translation is the intention. And this is how, remember, going back to awareness, awareness is the attention of intention. So if I intend for my chi to go somewhere, it will. That's how intention of chi works. That's how chi, using chi works. You intend your chi to go somewhere and it goes there to whatever degree you are capable of. So why is it attention of intention? Here's the thing. There's a saying in Qigong and Tai Chi, just any, any internal Qi practice really. And even in using Qi, um, the Japanese put it a little bit differently as far as the karate and those methodologies, but they use key and these things are not interchangeable, but they're similar. It's an understanding of it's the system in which you understand it, but I'm, I'm getting a little lost here. So I'll try to bring it back in. Your intention is the first thing to happen. The next thing to happen is they say chi predecesses blood. So as a qigong practitioner, a chi practitioner as they focus chi, blood will then flow to the area. That's why some of them will get heat in the palms or they'll be able to heat up this or that. The most amazing of the qigong practitioners can literally heat up the thing in their hand or show some sort of, everyone's chi is a little bit different. Some, their chi is more water-based. This is where the five element system comes in. So they might get cold palms, but they feel very like calm, watery, flowy. And that's how some of the greatest practitioners can give tween massages with element involved. It's very complicated, very interesting. It's a whole other conversation for another time because I get too long-winded about this stuff, but it's what I know a lot about. So intention predecesses chi and chi predecesses blood. So let's break that down to the three health bodies. Chi is shen, spirit, spiritual body, the other body. Intention Mental body. My mind intends things. That's part of consciousness. To be conscious, you must be able to intend or have intention because then the body reacts. The physical form, the material in which we exist in reacts. So as I said before, I'm going to take this into a whole multifaceted idea. The practice of magic is the practice of intention. The practice of divination or to divine to have mancy, cardamancy, which is tarot reading. Um, there's all sorts of mancies. I don't remember the list, but there's a ton of them. Intention. Control of ourselves. Intention. I would hazard the guess that if someone were to be able to practice this so deeply and have the ability to focus so hardly, they could intend the world around them to change. Like instantaneously. That would be the true projection of, and I've seen it. I have seen people do it to some degree. I've seen people, oh, this is going to, this is going to lose some people and this is going to get me in trouble. But in the martial communities, there's this whole thing. And we've probably seen it in some B-rated martial arts film about um, internal striking, chi striking, or striking at a distance, action at a distance. I've experienced it in multiple different ways. There's things like 
chi striking. There's, you know, which or action at a distance, which I've experienced personally. I've also experienced remote viewing. I myself have done maybe a little bit of it, but there's remote viewing. There's all of these things that are considered action at a distance. This is intention. I've had someone focus so intently on me tripping up doing a martial form that my foot literally got stuck to the ground and I was like, what the fuck just happened? Why did I, I've done this form so many times. I'm barefoot. I don't even have socks on. And I just, my foot got stuck and I just like, what the hell just happened? It was intention. Spun around. There's an individual staring and laughing at me being like, ah, I did that. It was the only time he was ever able to do it that I know of or that I experienced with him. Marshall buddy of mine, funny time. It's anecdotal. You don't have to believe me. I believe me. It was intention. That's the key. That's the key. To, that's why awareness is so important. That's why self-awareness is so important. So I'm going to add, we've got an episode 30 here. I'm going to break self-awareness out into one big explosion. Self-awareness, self, you, self-including the physical body, the mental body and the spiritual body, the mental body being the translation point between the two. Very important fact, very, very important part of the system here, the, the, not system, but idea. Awareness is attention of intention. So self-awareness is the attention to the interplay of the intentions of all three health bodies. That's it. And I know I say that's it, but that's super fucking complicated. That's why it's so hard to be self-aware. Because it's the attention of the intention of all three health bodies. Once you get them to line up, that's... That's everything, the ancient text, that's everything, the religious ideas, that's, that is godly nature by definition, which I'll come back to that soapbox I was talking about. You are a God technically, and that's not to slight your God. If you believe in only one God or, or slight your gods, if you believe in multiple, but you by technical definition are kind of godly or are a God. You are in control of this physical form. That physical form is made up of millions, if not billions, if not trillions of little organisms that have intention and intention is part of consciousness. Their intention is to continue living your cells in your body, the bacteria in your stomach, all of these things are, intend to continue living, to continue action, to continue to have something that's intention. They, they intend to do that. And you get to tell them whatever the fuck you want and make them do whatever you want. You're an omnipotent presence to them. If you want to kill, I don't know how many cells are in your finger, but if you want to kill them, you just chop your finger off. They're dead now. You killed them. You have full control over them. If you want to kill a bunch of gut bacteria off, eat some hot sauce. Every time, you know, every time you get some spicy wings, you're committing mass genocide. <laughs> Anytime you take in a massive acid, and I'm making light of that because it is kind of funny, but that's godly nature. 
we don't think about our bodies that way. We don't think about, hey, asshole, you're responsible for thousands of thousands of thousands of organisms. They rely on you. You're in control of them. It's your responsibility. What's your intention toward it? That's an important thing to grasp, I think. That is the driving factor taking me out of my suicidal nature, my self-harm, to stop that process. It's also a driving nature in some other things, in addiction. And when you start to grasp the idea that awareness is attention of intention and part of consciousness is to be able to have intention, you understand that the body itself is your responsibility. You are a God to the organisms living in your body. They have no choice but to do whatever the fuck you tell them to do. If you don't want to use the God term, then you are the ruler. You are the monarch. Do you want to be a shitty ruler and make everything work for you? Or would you like to see your people and your, you know, your castle and your fiefdom, would you like to see all that thrive and, and be awesome? If you want to take it in a modern perspective, do you want the shitty government that only cares about themselves and does what's good for what they feel is good for themselves and doesn't care about the rest of the populace? Or do you want the government who takes care of their populace and provides them freedom and ability and opportunity to have good, healthy lives? Which is it? What's your intention? Because that really changes the dynamic. Intention changes all of it. When you realize and understand what intention actually is, and that awareness is attention of intention, it changes everything. The whole perspective, the whole idea. You can go back to episode number one of this podcast and start all over again with that idea. That's why intention is a principal law of consciousness. Because it changes all of it. Because it's the interplay from top to bottom, from spiritual to mental to physical. And if we could actually fully control it, we could probably control our surroundings. Spontaneous combustion, if you really wanted to, moving walls. I mean, it would all have drastic effects. And it's probably best that we can't control it because you would just have like random people having a bad day, like throwing trees at buildings and shit. So, Maybe a good idea that we don't have that that kind of control and ability because we were not very omnipotent about it. We're not, we're bad rulers. We're bad gods. The shit we do to our bodies, shit we do to each other and other people's bodies that we don't even have control over. Like that's frightening in and of itself. So that's why intention in many ways is linked to magic and divination and self-awareness and the conversations don't ever get there because they're not allowed to get there. Because again, we don't have a vocabulary to talk about it, but intention's a really important piece. It's, it's, again, it's, it's a law of consciousness in my idea, which if we get into something like the law of attraction, the law of attraction is not a law. I kind of wish we would stop calling it that. It's a method, not a law. So it's a concept, not a principle. The law of attraction only works 
when balance occurs. So in some cases, you must, must imbalance the equation to get what you want. That's a dangerous game. I'm not saying don't go practice the law of attraction. Not Don't go get what you want or those types of things. But you need to be aware of, again, attention of intention, what you're trying to get. I think there's a lot of people practicing the law of attraction and not getting any results because you're, you're trying to imbalance the system way too much. And there's no, there's no way to recover from that. You know, if your law of attraction is, I want everybody else on the planet to die and I want to be left here by myself. There's no balance to that. There's no way to make that happen. So it's not going to happen. If your use of the law of attraction is, or method of attraction, start calling it that, start changing the vocabulary. If your option or intention towards the method of attraction is, I want to have a more secure home life. That's balanceable. Okay. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it can lead down the road of, okay, get a better steady job, better paying job, have less drama at home. These, those types of things can be balanced out. I've done it. I've lived it. I wasn't always practicing the method of attraction, but I was certainly kind of using it without knowing it. But it comes down to that idea of intention. The law of attraction, as they say it, is really the method of attraction. And the method of attraction is ruled by, because the method of attraction is actually just a concept, it's ruled by the principal idea of intention. Intention is a principal idea of consciousness. To have intention. Let's go back to the definitions. I know when people hear when I do this, but I'm going to do it. Definitions of intention. Now think about this in the context of awareness, self-awareness, is self, the whole three health bodies, and the attention of intention. That's to be aware of. And the method of attraction, what everybody calls the law of attraction, the method of attraction is a conceptual idea that's ruled by the law of a law of consciousness, which is a principal idea of consciousness, which is a ten, intention. So thinking about it from that aspect, from that viewpoint, the essential meaning of attention or intention, the thing that you plan to do or achieve an aim or a purpose. That's the method of attraction. What is your, what are you, what are you planning to achieve? What's your purpose? What are you, what are you aiming towards? Keep in mind the methodology is that use of the law of attraction, quote unquote, but attention of intention. You must define it. It must become finite, must become defined so it can have balance. If you can't define it well, it, it, it gets wishy-washy and it can't be balanced. There must be a balance to this equation. So don't try to unbalance things too much, too much at one time. It's not going to work. The universe has to balance these things out somehow. It's going to use asymmetry to do it. And we see that in today's society, unfortunately. We see ruling parties who have unbalanced things so greatly that thousands upon thousands of people have to suffer. Think about that that way. Just the same way that you're an omnipotent God over your body those of the populace who are in mass control of things are omnipotent gods over the thousands of people who have to suffer for them to get what they want. 
That's what, that's the idea of free trade of, you know, moral and ethical growing and moral and ethical production processes and those types of things. We can't sustain what we have morally and ethically. We never have. Maybe that's a conversation for another time, but it's something to think about. Again, attention of intentions of intention. Let's continue down. Full definition of intention. What one intends to do or bring about. Method of the law of attractions. The method of attraction. The object for which a prayer, mass, or pious act is offered. The method of attraction is prayer. That's what prayer is. It's the method of attraction. Whatever basis or belief system you want to put on that, I don't, I'm fine with that. Remember, organized religion is dangerous and, and dogma has no... Leave fucking dogma out of it. Get rid of dogma. Be very, very careful with organized religion. I, I don't think it's a good thing. So even if we take that and we go into, let's step out of that whole religious idea, that's magic. That's divination. That's, you know, the, the method of attraction, what people call the law of attraction. That's what it is. That's what, in uh, any magic users out there, anyone who's ever practiced or studied magic, that's what a sigil is. Creating a magic sigil is putting your effort into the intention of an outcome into a sigiled form and then doing something with it. The idea of the expression of a rune, if you go into the north Norse or, you know, the North Germanic, the, you know, tribal nations or like the Celtic knot, these all perfect. That's actually a better example. The religious symbols or symbols of power and those types of things are of ancient symbols and those types of things. Those are sigil like there's an intention behind them. So gives them power. One step further, a determination to act in a certain way. Someone's resolve your resolve is based on your intentions. Just what your awareness is. This is attention of intention. It's your resolve. To have self-awareness, to have resolve, to have understanding, to, to know deeply in something, to have full belief structures. That's where religion comes from. Faith, which is the truest form of religion, and was everyone should practice faith and not religion. I shouldn't say everyone, but those who have religion should be practicing faith and not organized religion because organized religion tends to be dogma. Another soapbox I probably shouldn't stand on as much as I do, but oh well. These are conceptual and principle. They're just, it's at a different level than some things we deal with on a regular basis. So that idea of intention is so important to grasp when we talk about our mental health or our self-awareness or anything we do throughout our day or, or the lives we lead. But it's not easy to understand. I know I, I, I try to put it in different ways and I, I try to, you know, I, I might make it sound a little bit too easy, but it's not easy to start to understand intention. As I often do, I like to wax poetically about my martial career or martial arts in general or these types of things. So I'll do that now because 
the way in which we discover intention is like the way we discover our creativity, or in fact, it might even be our creativity in some ways. It's so intrinsically and depthly, add as many synonyms and other words in there as you can, connected to our depression that I don't know if there's a difference, which is why it's hard to understand other people's intentions. So getting into a martial situation, which again applies to magic and divination and religion, faith, that idea of intention is what drives a fight. And those who have really practiced and studied martial connection because there's a connection there when, when two people meet hands we, talk, we call it touching hands you touch hands with many people get to understand them or that you know the old movie adage of like you don't understand somebody until you cross hands with them you know there's something to that and it's at a deep profound level that is almost animalistic i think if we make the, it's a slight leap to take, but if we make the slight leap to take intention to the animal kingdom and then bring it back again, so jump across the stream and jump back and bring the flower with you that you just picked. In the animal kingdom, everything's intention. A lion intends to eat the gazelle. The gazelle intends to get away. The Worm intends to eat the dirt. The dirt intends to let it. There's just this constant interplay. And this is where the balance of the universe works itself into the idea that everything has these intentions. And intentions is a measurement of consciousness. So as the world works on these intentions, that's why I call intention a law of consciousness, it's constantly trying to find these balance scales and the world does that. The universe does that asymmetrically. Your body intends for one lung to be slightly smaller than the other to make room for your heart. Your heart intends to keep beating. That's why you have a, a, a syn, synopsis. Syn, I can't remember the word for it. Sine wave. You have a sine wave for your heartbeat. That sine wave that, that measurement, a wave of your thump, 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 you know, ventricles and how the blood flow, I won't get into all of it, but your, your, your heart itself has intentions. Your heart intends to keep beating until one day, maybe it won't. That's why those who die of a broken heart, the heart lost the intention to keep beating. Whatever caused that. Viruses intend to invade us. It's their intention. Our immune system's intention is to fight them off. All of these different interplays of intention. And that gets into like willpower and all of these other things that we can do to interact with that. But it all comes down to intention. So, I know I said I was going to forget to, but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to go back again to the set of questions I started with. Are you in control of your intentions? Do you understand them? Do you know what they are? Can you focus them? Can you make them better? Can you refine them? Can you hone them? Have greater resolve maybe? 
Can you just understand them better? And if you take that a little bit deeper in the side of mental health, what are your intentions for yourself? And what are your intentions towards yourself? Are they different? Does one affect the other? Do they, what does one block the other? Are you going around in a circle in that sense? That is the methodology I use to stop myself harm and to not continue down a road of suicide. Although I am still very comfortable with dying. It's just how I am. My intentions, on the other hand, are not to reincarnate because I'm tired of that fucking cycle and I think it's stupid. But that's my own personal situation and belief structure. And I won't get into that just now. But do others' intentions overtake you or overtake your intentions? And if they do or they don't, how do you balance them either way? Are your intentions overtaking someone else's? It's a really good measurement system for a, a, your personal relationships. To understand the interplay in, in between your intentions. Most successful couples, in my personal opinion, have intentions that line up. And they can be minuscule intentions of sex. But they can also be profound intentions like community service or, or uh, philanthropy or uh, monetary gain in a specific niche idea or just the idea of personal preferences that the intentions line up. It's multifaceted, remember? But it's never one piece of the intentions. The relationships are built on multiple interplays of multiple intentions. Because intentions aren't just singular, they're plural. Because by definition, they must be a coin. As I've talked about many times, there's duality and triality. Everything that is dualistic is actually tri. It's three. There's two sides of the same coin. Intentions are the coin of many things, which is why I say love is a valuation process. I'll get into that maybe in another episode, but intentions are similar of that valuation, but they are, they are the coin of many things because intentions change all the equations around. War, as I get into quite often, warfare or war by definition is when two sides have irre, um, damn it, I always forget the word, not irrevocable, um, whatever. They have two opinions that they can never hash out. They're just never going to agree on. That creates warfare. All warfare starts in the mind. All wars are fought in the mind. It's a simulation of mind which makes them intention. So this idea of intention as a law of consciousness is pervasive and very important and will change everything, really. It's, it's, it's a principle. And principle-level things change a lot of things. So I think it's an important thing for you to grasp. And intentions, again, have links to so many different things that I could go on and on and on about this. But as always, I get to a point of the podcast where I probably should start wrapping it up. And I'm starting to be trying to be a little bit better at that nowadays. So again, let's go back 
from the mental health side of things, repetition is the mother of all skill. Failure is its father. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Are you in control of your intentions? What are your intentions for yourself? And what are your intentions towards yourself? How do they line up? Do others' intentions overtake you? How do you balance them? Or do your intentions overtake someone else? Can you balance those? This is how successful relationships can, I think, be built. Also, just your intentions of yourself is the point to get to to better understand yourself in awareness. Recapping here, self, the spiritual, mental, and or other mental and physical body, the three health bodies, that's self. It's three pieces, three parts. Intentions are the awareness part. So attention of intentions, to be aware of our intentions is the awareness part. So if you look at things now more in-depthly from that viewpoint, what's the intention? What is it? It's telling towards everything. Someone else have bad intentions towards me. Do I have bad intentions toward me? Is my addiction an intention to continue down a self-harm path? Is it? Did you think about it? Did you look at it some more? Is it? Are my intentions fill in the blank? I don't need to keep running you through this. Those are the questions to ask. Because again, once you really start to understand that self-awareness is attention to intention, you can start changing the whole game because intention is the predecessor to all it's the, it's the conversation changeover. It's how the mind talks to the spiritual or the other and talks to the body. You are your own God of your own body. You are your own sovereign entity. You are your own monarch, your own matriarch, your own whatever word you want to put on it. You are controlling all of these organisms known as your physical body. And if there's a disconnect between the two things through the mind, that's mental health. That's where problems can manifest. This is where the method of the method of attraction or the law of attraction takes into effect. This is all of those things. Prayer, all of these things are intention based. And intention in my eyes is a law of consciousness. So go look at your intentions. Go talk about your intentions with other people, specifically people that you have relationships with and you want to maybe deepen or better or get a general understanding of. Bring up intentions with professionals to figure out, you know, what options are available to you or, you know, maybe just even talk to about intentions with your doctors. I think one of the most important conversations that can happen in 2022 and beyond that's been really brought up recently is, is your doctor practicing medicine or are they practicing dogma? That's an important question to have. That's intention-based. What are your intentions for healing and, and moving on? Mine right now, because I like to be open about things, I intend to heal my spiritual side because I don't really have one that's completely defined yet. I don't have the attention to it. I don't have the attention of my intentions of my spiritual side. I have a very good grasp on the other two things, the physical and the mental. But my spiritual is quite lacking. I have a great deal of knowledge about all the different systems and methods and all these understandings that are out there. But now I have to focus my intention, which is the last piece I wanted to get to and want to leave you with is that focus of intention. 
which is a methodology of meditation and how meditation can help you. I'll get into that in a second. My, I need to focus my intention to heal my spiritual side, to really understand who I am as a spiritual being, to understand that other piece of me because I've let it go for too long. But in the same time, my intentions have been to create a, a my gong fu body, my good physical form, a good healthy physical body to take care of it because I'm, I'm the sovereignty over it. I am the God of my body and I must take care of it. And then also the mental where, you know, I've struggled with mental health for so long, but now to understand depression in, in a different form factor, to understand my depression is mine, yours is yours. And we can't understand each other's, but we can talk about them and we can find similarities and we can have those conversations, but also at the same sense, we can better understand our own depressions as the way in which we see the world, the way in which we interact with it. And that's part of intention too. And intention is almost a deep-seated idea in that depression because it's part of how we use our depression, how we use our understanding. So I need to focus mine towards that spiritual side because it's the part I'm lacking. It's the part I'm missing. And that's where focus of intention is one of the, the latter pieces, one of the late pieces, I believe, of really having deep-seated change comes from. So when we can focus those intentions, and that is actually one of the deepest practices of all meditation, is to focus your intention. The methods and the structures and the systems that go along with it are ever-present, and there's a ton to pick from. Find one that resonates with you and go with it, because they're all out there, and there well, there's so many, there's just so many. But those are systems and schools and methods. And, you know, I've talked about those in previous episodes of this podcast, but the focus piece starts at meditation or a method to focus. It is meditation. And again, meditation is just awareness of breath. And what is awareness? If I, you know, skew it a little bit, attention of intention. So you intend to control your breathing. That's the beginning for, it's the, that's the jumping off point of all meditation. You intend to control your breathing. From there, you can focus any and all intentions. Again, what system or method or anything you want to use to do that is completely up to you. If it's mindfulness, if it's um, TM, transcendental meditation, if it's uh, there's Shaolin breathing methods, there's uh, Buddhist chanting, there's, there's all of these different methods. And there's yoga, if they're actually teaching you how to breathe, because that's really an important part. Because again, meditation is awareness of breath, which is intention to control one's breathing. And once you do that, then you are in the state of being able to focus your intention. One of the hardest things to learn is how to focus. It's it's so hard. It's just very difficult. And some people might disagree and be like, oh, it's so easy to focus on something. I would challenge that. Are you focused on something or, or is your intention focused? Or attention of intention? Remember, awareness. Is you, do you have a focused awareness on an attention of your intention? Or are you just focused on something? Are you distracted by something? I think we get that misrepresented sometimes when we, you know, think about, you know, you just turn your brain off and watch sports or watch, you know, a funny TV show or a, or a movie or something like that. That's not necessarily focus. 
that's focus of a distraction. You're just allowing a distraction to keep you unfocused, really. But true focus of intention, that's deep work. That's try to keep your mind silent. You know, if you want to use um, an old Buddhist meditation, you have the staring at a wall. Just stare so intently at a single point on the wall that you don't think about anything but that point of a wall. It's tough. Try doing that for more than 10 seconds. I'll leave you with a, a good a good meditation practice that you can use because I, I do talk about systems and methods and all that times. But here's one that I learned a long time ago and I, I find it very effective. Um, we'll start with the beginning stages. I'll give you some of the intermediates. And at some point on this podcast, yes, I will get into meditation. But for now, I'm just going to leave you with this one. If you want to try to learn how to focus your intention, you can use a breathing practice, which is meditation, a breathing meditation of counting your breaths. So this is how this works. To start out, you want to try to get to 10 using this method. And then I'm going to give you a harder method, and then we're going to increase the time and so forth. You can make this as hard as you want to make it. Starting out, first you need to take control of your breathing. That is meditation. And then the the meditative practice you're going to use is every inhale counts as a, a, a one and every exhale counts as a one. So every time you inhale, you get another tick on the counter and every time you exhale, you get another tick on the counter. So inhale one, exhale two, inhale three, exhale four, inhale five, exhale six, inhale seven, exhale eight, inhale nine, exhale 10. Try that. See if you can get to 10 without, without focusing on anything else, just on your breathing, inhale and exhale. Try to count up to 10. If your mind gets distracted, you got to start all over again. If that's too easy for you, you can step it up one more. Every inhale and exhale counts as one. So inhale, exhale one, inhale, exhale two, inhale, exhale three, et cetera, et cetera, all the way to 10. If that's too easy, you can do one of two methods. You can either create what's known as a box. You can, you can make your breathing more complicated. I'll put it that way. You can make your breathing more complicated by using something like a box breathing method, which is inhale one, two, hold one, two, exhale one, two, hold one, two. That's known as a box breathing method. Uh, the military trains some of that. I think transcendental meditation uses some of that too, but that's known as a box breathing method. And that will make your breathing more complicated. So you'll have to focus on two things now, the, the breathing and the counting of the inhale, exhale is one all the way up to 10, or you can just increase the number of inhales and exhales you're going to count to before you'd have to start over. Another methodology that some people like to use is inhale one, inhale, exhale is a one, so count up to 10, and then count how many sets of 10. It sounds easy, but it's not because you need to now keep track of two different sets of numbers. So inhale, exhale one, inhale, exhale two, inhale, exhale three, blah, 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 inhale, exhale 10, inhale, exhale one, inhale, exhale two, inhale, exhale three, blah, 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 10 second set and see how many times you can go. I've also known some people to just, just try to see how far they can go with it. Either using one, either method, you know, inhales one and exhales one or an inhale exhales one and just see how far you can count until you get distracted. But once you get distracted, once you start thinking about the 
groceries or the what's you know what you're going to watch after or you know do I want to what am I going to eat for dinner? Once you get distracted, you got to start over again. That's a great way to train focus using meditation. So it's a focus meditation, and I'll get into that. But that's a that's an important thing. I'll say that one more time. That's a focus meditation. It's not meditation. It's a focus meditation. Meditation again. It's just awareness of breath. And awareness is the attention of intention. So once you intend to control your breathing, you are meditating. And now maybe you know why I say what I say in the outro. Speaking of which, here the outro comes. Thank you for listening as always. Check us out at taminghindrances.com. Check out the archive. I have uh, some resources on there that might be helpful for mastering your intentions or learning about some cool stuff. Take care and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. But go be awesome. And just remember to breathe.